Blog Talk Radio. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. Here we go. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Hey everybody, like I said, I'm sorry for the delay. Welcome everyone to uh, this Sunday edition. Always, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am JTA, K.A. the Master. Sorry for that technical difficulties. Uh, I don't know if it's Block Talk Radio or my PC, but uh, every now and then uh, I have issues. Um, don't know where they come from, but I have issues. This is the master plan, and that all way on at 10 a.m., and it's a fine. Oh, my God. It's it's a nice, brisk Sunday morning on the East Coast with a lot of things going on. Now, I'm not a big NCAA guy or watching football or basketball, believe it or not. I am the guy that... Is a now I used to watch a lot of football, NCAA uh, men's NCAA uh, football. I used to watch a lot of basketball, whether it was pro or college. Lost interest in both of those. I know they're still popular with a lot of people. Not me. I have, and I'm uh, I'm mainly a guy that I watch. If I've watched five games during a pro or college basketball season, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I know everybody's got that March Madness. You see it everywhere. People brackets are all over the place. Probably blown up because there's a few favorites that, including the number one seed, that got blown up. Maybe we'll talk about that. But I'm not the guy. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, know, I said this is sports, but I like to stay in my lane that I know best. I know I should be more diverse, be more, uh, uh, expand my horizon, so to speak. Talk about the present, as in what's going on with the men's college basketball and women's college basketball. Uh, unless, and, 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 and you know I like, if you're listening to you know I like women's basketball. Uh, don't ask me why, but I like women's basketball. Nothing, nothing it has nothing to do with seeing women in, in, in um, basketball shorts or anything like that. Nothing. I just like women's basketball. It's played under the rim. Um, and uh, not to say that men's basketball has better team basketball, but I think women's does. 
even though it's dominated by one team, one school, year in and year out, who hasn't lost a game in over 110, 15, 12, whatever it is, straight games they've won. Talking about the University of Connecticut, which happens to be my the team I liked, but it's not like because I liked them this year or last year or the year before. I've liked them for quite a while. Now I know some people don't agree with the way or like Gino Uriyama, Uriyama, but he gets the most out of what he has year in and year out. And some people say that it's boring because every year it's, it's Connecticut and Connecticut, it becomes boring. There's no variety. There's no surprise. It is what it is. I mean, you can say that about anything. Did they say that about that, the Lakers or the uh, um, Boston Celtics when they were in all those championships? No. Is it because it's women basketball and it, it, it it's it's um, thought of lightly or really not taking that seriously because it's women's basketball? Could be. Not by me because uh, I have more of an interest in women's basketball than I have in men's, pro and college. So don't ask me why. I, I just like college, women's college basketball. It, that's what I like to like. But we're going to be talking about today, at this time, like I said, is the, the number to call in is 347-637-3220. I'll say that again. It's 347-637-3220. If you want to converse with JT, the master, and that would be me. Got a chat room sitting out there for you. Want to jump in that chat room? You, you've heard this spiel before, but I'm going to say it again because there's always could be somebody new listening. And I want to make sure they get the full scoop. Don't get shortchanged. You got a um, chat room sitting out there. If you want to lay your knowledge into that chat room, ask a question, make a statement or a comment in that chat room, you could do so. I, I'll... I'll be able to handle it if you're able to be able to handle blowback if it's, if it's not correct. Just to say that, if you want to listen to, to me, you can always go on Block Talk Radio. Um, and the website is, if you listen to me, quite naturally, you, you know what the site is. But if you want to, go to past shows. It's www.blog talk radio which is www.b as in boy l-o-g talk radio dot com forward slash v-i-c-h-b-k you can listen to all the past programs uh, for years back uh, I talked to Vic uh, on his FSP program which is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and he told me that it's almost 10 years nine years, 10 years, somewhere around there that we've been doing this. Maybe not me, myself doing this, the master plan, but Vic started it all. He started on, I think Wednesday or Thursday, something like that. 
And then through the years, it's progressed to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the FSP show is. He hosted, I co-hosted. And, um, but we've been doing it for quite a while. For the most part, the guys that started it, Vic, uh, Jeff the Joker, if you listen to the uh, FSP crew show, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every Thursday night, you know, Jeff and I hold it down. I host it. He co-hosted. We're co-hosts. Let me put it. We're co-hosts. Let me put it that way. But that's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday evening. And then, like I said, Victor is on um, FSP, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which may change, uh, which may change on, a, uh, um, on every Saturday. And quite naturally, you listen to me, then you know it's 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on every Saturday morning. I mean, and Sunday morning, I'm sorry, Sunday morning. <clears throat> I like to get up early on a Sunday, especially during football season. I've been doing it 10 a.m., people, for ooh, four or five years at least, somewhere around there. Just recently, like in the last two or three years, during football season, during fantasy football season, some, some of the programs that you see, catch online or maybe on TV have started their program earlier. So I run in direct conflict, which is fine with other big name programs on, on, um, on online or on, uh, um, on, on TV, which is fine. But I have to say this because it's, it's for the most part, it's been true. Some of these programs are about a week or so late in disseminating information about players. And I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying, just like there are magazines that come out, they came out a day late and a dollar short. And you be behind the eight ball, important information that you can to help you win your fantasy week and even your fantasy season. I try to, give, I try to beat the networks. I dig and dig and dig and try to give you team, uh, players that are ahead of the curve, ahead of a curve. For instance, now I had a bad year last year, extremely bad year, but you can't discount when I gave you eight, uh, uh, Adrian, P- uh, not Adrian Peterson, um, Arian Foster. Way before all the networks gave it to you. I can't, they can't be disputed. And I got poo-pooed from my fellow, um, fellow co-hosts, Vic and Jeff and some others that, that have come and gone about Jamal Charles. And he, look at what those two players had, had done. Last year, like I said, was a bad year. But most recently this year, I got poo-pooed again and discounted. And, 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 and in fact, let me put it this way. Even on the major networks that handle fantasy and also on online programs, didn't pick this up. I, I was ahead of the curve way before anybody 
off season before he even got the really the opportunity. I said this guy was going to break out. I got poo pooed, and he broke out big time. Now he's going to be in the first round draft, first round of a draft. Be surprised if he's not. I'm talking about Melvin Gordon. For those who picked up Melvin Gordon, listened to what I had to say, benefited up until the time. Unfortunately, he got hurt and was late in the season. A bad timing, he got hurt. <clears throat> but throughout the season, he balled out. And I got all kinds of excuses that he was just touchdown uh, um, dependent. Uh, early on, he may have been, even when, even after uh, a butt, as he got better and better and understanding what he needed to do, be an effective running back. All the other things came into play, including his uh, receiving. And I always told you I like dual threat quarterbacks. Um, but I'm going to, like I said, I, a, a few weeks ago, I'm going to mend that. I like triple threat quarterback. I mean, running backs. That's a dual threat quarterbacks. I mean, triple threat running backs. For the simple reason is this. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll say this first because I think that's the, that's the reason why if, he, if, he, if a running back can do this, then the other two threats that will, will fall in line if, he, if he's able. He has to be able to pick up the blick. He has to be able to um, block, pass block for his quarterback in order to stay on the field for three downs. So that's, that's key. The other two keys besides blocking and picking up the blitz for his quarterback and protecting the quarterback is be able to catch the football and, and, and catch it and be able to do things with it that, that will be able to play solidly. Let me put it that way. And the last thing he needs to do <clears throat> is to be able to be an effective runner be an effective runner. So I'll amend it. I amended it a couple of weeks ago and I'll amend it. I'll say it again. An effective running back in fantasy has to be a triple threat. And the main thing in order for him to be a triple threat, he has to be able to block to stay on the field for three downs. He has to be able to block pass block to be effective for the other first and second down. I bring in my uh, esteemed uh, co-host from Thursday night, Jeff the Joker. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, Jerry. Um, uh, and I have to uh, give Jerry credit. He uh, he was ahead of the curve on uh, Melvin Gordon. I'm, I, I like Gordon, too, not as much as Jerry, because I think some of the reasons guys were down on Gordon was things that had nothing to do with him, because of other backs from Wisconsin who hadn't played up yep. to expectations in the NFL. And to yep. put it politely, that's rubbish because those backs, you know, guys like Ron Dane, P.J. Hill, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. they were different style than Melvin Gordon. And, you know, different situations, different people. It doesn't always work like that, you know. And, and you know, Wisconsin, they've changed coaches. They've changed their offense. It's not the same exact program it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um my, my reservation on Gordon, um, believe me, if you get a guy like him, in, you know, in the middle rounds, which was where he was going, that that could really make your team. Uh, yep. That, uh, you know, they had Woodhead, and Woodhead gets a lot of receptions, 
and I thought that would hurt Gordon's value. But, uh, you know, this year, believe me, uh, nobody's sleeping on Melvin Gordon this year. And uh, Woodhead is, uh, he, you know. And, but then the thing is, then you have to reevaluate it because, you know, was he worth the six, sixth or seventh round draft pick last year? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But is he going to be worth the first or second pick this year? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, you know, you got to follow the draft. I don't think the Chargers will take him running back early, but you never know. And you have to see, you know, I don't think they've signed any uh, free agents, you know, at that position. No. But, uh, you know, I don't I do not do my mocks. I don't even start doing them until after the draft. Mm-hmm. Because besides the fact, you know, there's some rookies who that are promising. Also, a team will show how they feel about their veterans by how they draft. So I, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even think about doing a mock until after the draft. Um, but yeah, you know, um, you know, I think anybody who's serious about fantasy, you kind of get, you know, I don't know what to call them, your guys. And, but it varies from year to year and, and sometimes you're a year early, but you know, you just, you know, you, you kind of have a guy who you're big on and maybe not everyone else is, um, you know, uh, but you know, it's, it's good to pay attention to the off season moves. So this way, when you do start doing the drafts, it's not like you have to absorb new information about, you know, guys who, you know, moved on to new teams or maybe guys whose situations have changed. But, uh, you know, and, and another thing with Gordon, okay. His, his rookie year was not that great. You know, it could happen. Guys were ranking him last year like he had five lousy seasons. No, he had yep. one subpar season. You know, yep. give a guy a break, you know. Um, uh, and I think what hurt him was his first year he didn't get too many touchdowns, which, you know, touchdowns are always important. But, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, in some situations I'll go with the young talent because sometimes you have a young talent, a guy like Gordon, who who who's got the upside as opposed to some guy who's been in the league for five years or more and has proven that he's not very good. You know, there's more of a body of work to prove that he's you know he's not a terrific guy mm-hmm. for fantasy purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I've got a couple of guys that I'm not going to reveal yet um, that are, that are, I think that are going to have. I wouldn't say the same type of year, Melvin Gordon. Or something something like that, but I think they're going to be surprises that you're probably going to be able. Well, one's probably going to be still an early pick, and the other one's probably definitely going to be an afterthought. Um, uh, probably middle rounds, it could be even late rounds, but uh, we'll wait and see. Like you said, we'll wait and see what they these teams do doing a draft, and it's one team I'm particularly looking at. See what they do in a draft. Um, uh, it will tell tell me just like you said how they feel about the the running backs that they have. But speaking of running backs and been in the league for a while, uh, let's talk about beast mode. Who's been out of the league for one year. Talking about Marshawn Lynch. And word is that he wants to, he's supposedly in shape and he wants to make a comeback, but he wants to make a comeback. Um, in the area where he he grew up, with a team that he grew up uh, uh, with, maybe uh, uh, 
not a fan of the team. Maybe he is. You know, I'm not sure about that. But he didn't play for. He played for the Seattle Seahawks and retired, said he's done. Now it said that the supposedly that the Oakland Raiders are trying to trying to lure Mr. Marshawn Lynch, who's past 30. Um, you really don't know what you, what he has left, especially with a year off. I mean, year off, you can get healthy uh, for the most part, and, and, and as long as you stay in shelf, excuse me, stay in shape. And, and uh, uh, I don't know if they're going to – but he's got to get released because he's still on the contract one way or the other. He's still on the contract with the um, Seattle Seahawks, and I think he's going to make um, 7 or $8 million, maybe even more than that. Uh, and, and it probably uh, would hurt the Seattle Seahawks. It would hurt. I shouldn't say probably. It will hurt the Seattle Seahawks because their um, cap is one of the uh, their cap space is one of the lowest in the league. And if they put Marshawn back on the Lynch, I mean Mark on Lynch back on the books, that wouldn't help him. And, and he's an older back, and they just got the um, uh, Eddie Eddie uh, Lacy along with Thomas Rawls and C.J. Procise. So even though it would be a nice thought of bringing Beastmo back and, and feel good to, for the team or guys that he played with before and won a Super Bowl with, um, it's also a business. So um, you got to keep your sentiments out of it. And I'm more than likely that if, if he does get released from the Seattle Seahawks, there's a possibility that Marshall Lynch gets picked up. And now I wouldn't do it. By the uh, because of the, like I said, there's a plethora of running backs are coming um, into the league. Uh, Marshall Lynch has the has the name, has the reputation, but you don't know what he's got left, and you know he's going to want some um, serious money to play again. What's your thoughts, Jeff? You know, um, I well for fantasy purposes, if Lynch does come back, I think there's a probability he'll get overdrafted based on his name, yep. which you don't want to do that, but. It does happen. Um, I think if uh, – I don't know how the Seahawks feel about bringing him back. But like I said, they just signed Eddie Lacy, so I don't think they're looking to bring back Lynch. Um, I think if he goes with the Raiders, um, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be getting 300 carries a year or anything like that. You know, he'd be – Probably less than 200, I think, you know, and and but he would get probably, or most likely, the important goal line carry. So we'd have some fantasy value. Uh, excellent straight ahead runner, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and and very good size for a running back. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, now it's so it cracks me up because some of these so-called experts you see on TV. You know, not not the smart guys who do the podcast. We're talking, you know, the the, the TV people. You know, <laughs> yeah, I they, hear you. They talk about their opinions like they're fact. And mm-hmm. I heard something about Lynch a couple of years ago that, of course, I'm not hearing anything about it now. That the talk then was a couple of years ago, and this was presented like fact. This is what cracks me up. Um, that supposedly he's very close with the assistant head coach in Seattle, Tom Cable, and he wanted to play wherever Cable was going to coach, whether that was Seattle or someplace else. Well, maybe he's not that close with Tom Cable, or maybe he is, 
but it's not going to influence where he's going to play. Um, so I, I'm curious. I wish I, I could remember which of these so-called experts said that, but they made it sound like, you know, you know, uh, Lynch and Cable were some kind of package deal or something. Um, and uh, I don't think Cable's going to Oakland because, uh, you know, he already worked there. I mean, it's possible he'd go back, but most guys, after you get fired as a head coach, you don't go back there. There's a few exceptions with that, but not too many. I guess Wade Phillips uh, and uh, Gunther Cunningham went back to Kansas City. And, uh, oh, wow. And, and uh, I think Dave Campo went back to Dallas. But still, most guys don't do that. After you get fired from a place in the NFL, you don't go back there. That's true. And uh, I, I would, you know, if it was me, if it was me, if I was, if I was the owner of a team or GM of a team, um, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't even be on my radar to tell you the truth. Wouldn't be on my radar. But the simple fact is that <clears throat> I have a good offensive line. I have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, uh, either before or right behind Dallas. Um, and it's a uh, young offensive line that I can probably get a running back. Like I said, a running back at a cheaper price with less mileage, um, and uh, draft him. Now, they do have Jalen Richards and DeAndre Washington, which are not too shabby when they played and have had some playing time. Um, some some may not consider them a uh, every down back, I mean, a, a, and maybe a change of pace or something like that. But I laid out earlier in the show what I thought a – a a back should be. And, and and for the most part, a lot of these backs coming out this year, I don't know, maybe they've realized that in order to be able to stay on the field and get plenty of playing time, you got to be a triple threat. Now, Jeff, you, you, told, you heard me before years back saying I like dual threat running backs. And I and you heard me earlier in the show if you were listening or if you had just got on I, triple threat running backs. It, it, I had mended it. They have to be able to block and a lot of, and pick up the blitz for their quarterback to stay on the field in, in passing situations rather than secede to a uh, quote unquote um, third down uh, change of pace back. Um, and a, a lot of these running backs that are coming out. A lot of them. Name guys that are named running backs that are coming out, and guys that um, some people don't know their names. Realize, if you want to play, you be able you 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 got to put that third key in there, and that's to be able to run. Block, I mean, a pass block, and pick up blitzes, and 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 the like. And a lot of these running backs coming out this year. Had that in their uh, along with the catching the football, which is very important because it's a passing game, as we all know in the NFL. And uh, their main forte is running the football, so they got to be able to do all three uh, to stay on the field and to, especially when and this is what we're talking about now, to be relevant in fantasy. So uh, one of the guys that, that I see that um, probably coming off the board. 
could be first or second in running back positions, depending on where they're drafted, uh, what team's drafting, I should say. And it's been talked about that the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they have Chris Ivory and, and um, I'm trying to think of the other running back that they have. Um, uh, oh, God. Whatever. The two running backs that they, at Jacksonville has now, um, they're still going to be in the market to draft a running back. Now, they have a defensive-minded coaches, and most defensive-minded coaches, Jeff, uh, have have a tendency to be very conservative. Now, they do have an explosive offense, um, but I think that's – I wouldn't say junk numbers, but I think that's junk numbers because they're constantly playing from behind. I'm talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Blake Bortles and fantasy numbers doesn't make a difference of how they come as long as they come. Uh, Blake Bortles has a tendency to throw a lot, even though he has a lot of turnovers, to Allen Robinson and, and, and company. But I think he really wants to be able to run the football and and and, and pass less if he can be have an effective runner. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Chris Ivory – even though he's a bruising back, he's not can't can't seem to stay too healthy. Along with the and I forget the other running back. I can't believe I did that, but I can't remember the other running back. T.J. Yeldon. T.J. Yeldon, and he can't stay healthy. So they're looking for a running back that can do everything, like Leonard Fournette can, not like Chris Ivory, who's mainly a runner, and like T.J. Uh, uh, Yeldon, who can run the football. And he can also catch it, but he, he he's not projected to be a what was wasn't projected to be the type of uh, running back coming out this year, uh, like uh, Leonard Fournette. So you think that I think they they, they draft a number six, if I'm not mistaken, um, that they're going to be picking up, and they got a lot of cap space. And they may not may not be re- finished with making the moves. The, uh, it looks like they, they there's a possibility of them picking up uh, a running back with their first round pick in Leonard Fournette, um, who most teams have not, with the exception of a few of them. Todd Gurley went number ten or twelve in uh, uh, 2015. Um, um, Ezekiel Elliott won number four, if I'm not mistaken, in, in 2016. Um, so what I'm saying, maybe the, the trend, which I've been always saying anyway, that the foundation of an offense is running a good running back. And most of these teams try to cheap out, in my opinion, cheap out and get a running back in, 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 in late the second round, third round, fourth round. They don't have to pay them that much and using a running back by committee. Some teams still subscribe to that philosophy other teams want a bell cow um you, you have to think about this and, and i thought about this and i'll give you a chance to talk jeff you get a two or three running backs all right um that pretty much in my opinion dictates to the defense what you're going to do you got a running back one running back that is a very effective runner in the first or second second uh first or second down you bring in the other running back at third down. Well, what do you think he's going to do? It's probably a passing situation. That's why the third down, third down back is in there. The defense 
knows the key. This is the third down uh, uh, situation. They're going to pass the football. If you have a running back that can do all three downs, blocking, catching, and running the football, you can dictate to the defense what you're going to do, not um, throw up a huge smoke signal and, and, tell the, and tell the defense, well, this is what we're going to do because we have to do it. So I don't know what you think about that, Jeff. I said a lot about a well, running back and at talk to me. I agree uh, as far as you want uh, a running back who can catch the football. I mean, not every running back is going to be a terrific receiver, but you know, a good running back should have some receiving skills because this way you're not tipping your hand to the defense because, right. uh, you know, some teams, it's based on their substitution, they can become very predictable. And, and that's, you know, not a good formula. You know, I mean, long time ago, um, when the Giants had Dave Meggett and um, the starting running back was Otis Anderson, which um, Otis Anderson was a very good receiver, more so with the Cardinals before he played with the Giants. The Giants didn't throw to him that much. But right. you just – just from watching all the giant games back then, when Anderson was in the game, you know he was getting a ball. Or they were going to throw to somebody else. And they were very predictable like that. And, and uh, you know, they still won, uh, but uh, it wasn't always pretty. And, uh, you know, I just think to myself, why don't they throw it to Anderson once in a while? He's a good receiver. You know, I mean, yeah, Meggett had the more of the big playability. He was very good. But, you know, you know, you got to mix it up a little. And there's NFL running backs where uh, if you're not a good receiver, it it could hurt your career. And, of course, it hurts your fantasy status, of course, because I remember, I think it was 2009, and I was in a a 14-team league with deep rosters. And one of my starting running backs, because, you know, you you get what you get sometimes, uh, was Mm -hmm. Ryan Grant. And, yeah. A good running back, but got very few receptions, and that was torture. <laughs> that was yep. torture. Yep. But, you know, in a 14-team league, your RB2 might not be a good receiver. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, you know, when this is a guy, he's not going to go under the radar. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I think, is going to make things very interesting for fantasy because – I'm not sure if he's going to be listed as a RB, a WR, or possibly both. And, 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 you know, I'd like to see him with a team like the Patriots who were very good at being creative and how to utilize players. Uh, that would that would make him a, a very interesting prospect. Now, um, McCaffrey, he, he got a lot of attention because he didn't, play in uh, Stanford's bowl game. I mean, it wasn't for the champion, national championship or anything, but still, it's a bowl game. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I, I can't blame him because, you know, I'm one of these, like so many people saying that, you know, most of these bowl games are meaningless anyway. But, you know, something about it rubs me wrong. And I'll tell you, if I was an NFL team, I'm thinking, hey, if this guy's at the end of a contract, is he going to come up with some phantom injury to save himself from getting seriously injured, you know, because he doesn't want to mess up his next contract. It makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm of, I'm, I'm of the 
mindset that I can't hate the guy because um, the, the game he's playing uh, in college, um, his college career is essentially over except for the bowl game, and he's looking for uh, to carry his profession and his passion for playing football into a full-time job that pays him millions of dollars. Um, and all it takes is one split second um, squashed um, and his dreams of playing in the NFL just like his dad did, and I'm talking about McCaffrey, um, will be dashed. So I can't hate a guy that is uh, after sacrificing himself for the team for the, all the time that he was playing, which was all four years, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, um, or maybe three years, I think he was a junior this year, that he's going to he's coming out um, and wants to make sure that he's healthy uh, with no issues so he can maximize the his draft uh, um, position and make the most of him coming into the league. Um, some guys don't get that um, opportunity because they played in a bowl game and got hurt. Um, he, he's uh, destined to probably go somewhere in the um, late in the first round, early early in the second, and um, he wants to be able to maximize it. So I can't hate on him. Now, I've I've uh, had had um, disagreements with quite a few people saying that um, he's abandoning his team. Well, he didn't abandon his team because he played the whole time, um, and he didn't tap out. Any other time, he just wanted to tap out in the ball game, if um, because it was in, in his opinion, and all bone games for all these teams are important because they bring revenue to the team in their conference. Um, but he wanted to tap out um, for. Let me put it this way: he made a business decision, and um, it could pay off for him to maximize his um, draft position. Now, just think, if Chris McCaffrey played in a ball game and got hurt, hurt enough that he wouldn't be able to participate in a combine and show off all his skills, what, uh, p- passing, doing the running drills, doing the passing drills, which he excelled in, and running a 4-4, whatever, um, then he would be he, his draft status <clears throat> because he was hurt, and depending on what type of injury he had, maybe he couldn't even do a um, a pro day. So now his draft status gets pushed down because the fact is now now he's got an injury that he played in a bowl game that really did, didn't turn didn't determine anything except how much money you made him personally, but the school and the conference and he loses millions of dollars because now he's getting drafted way down because he's a draft. He's a injury. uh, He's got a question mark because of injury. So I can't hate him. Um, He's thinking about the the next level. Um, he, He fulfilled his college um, uh, responsibility, even though he didn't play in a bowl game, and he's moving on. I, I know you probably differ. I know that I've heard from other guys that differ, but that's how I feel about it. The guy's 
gave what he gave to the college that he played for. Um, I'm trying to think of the other guy that didn't play. I don't know if Fournette played or not. I forget who the other guy didn't play. Uh, a name guy um, that didn't play uh, because he was moving on. He knew he'd be a high draft pick. So it is what it is. Guys that didn't uh, did play in the big games uh, and had something to lose did play. So it can, it works both ways. It just just. Uh, just uh, uh, what kind of decision you make? Plain and simple. I don't know what you th- think about that, Jeff. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's complicated, and you know, I don't know what it's like to be in his shoes. I'm thinking, you know, is, is there some type of solution for this? Um, and you know, uh, I I don't know if uh, it, it would be possible, but I, you can get insurance. Uh, um. You know, I mean, if, if you know the the worries are mostly financial, he, he you know he could have got insurance, uh, and it was you know it was just the Sun Bowl. It wasn't the Rose Bowl. I like to think if it was the Rose Bowl, he would have played. Um, mm-hmm. But he is definitely um, a very very interesting prospect, and I just for the sake of interest and excitement, I I hope he pl- he lands in a team who has. You know, an offensive coordinator who is going to find creative ways to use him. You know what I mean? And, and not just, you know, try to use him like everybody else. But you know, the good teams, they they get creative on how to, you know, uh, you know, get their uh, players uh, to make big plays. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I'll tell you, he, McCaffrey has a, a real pedigree as an athlete. I mean, of course, his dad played for the Giants, and believe me. I was so ticked off when they cut his dad <laughs> and because, uh, you know, he, he, his career hadn't taken off, but he showed enough to stay on the roster. I still don't know why they cut him. Uh, and then, you know, he, uh, was very productive in Denver and in between he, uh, he played for the 49ers briefly. Um, wasn't he, wasn't he, uh, um, always being nicked up and injured and uh, am I right about that? He wasn't hurt that much. I mean, no. uh, you know, he, he did get, a, I think, at least one concussion, I remember. He he wasn't always hurt. I mean, and he was uh, almost like a hybrid because uh, when he was going into college, the colleges wanted to move him to tight end. I guess he didn't have great speed for a receiver. Oh, no, he definitely six, didn't. Five. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to move him to tight end, but he, uh, he went to Stanford because they were willing to play him at wide receiver. So, um uh, Ed McCaffrey had a brother who um, played for a national championship basketball team. I think it was at Kentucky, and then played uh, some pro ball in Europe. Now, um, Christian's mother uh, was uh, had a soccer scholarship in college, and her dad was fixed uh, for track. I think it was as a sprinter. I mean, that, that's some pedigree for a guy. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, but, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, w- what you could do. And he, you know, he could run it. He could catch it. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to get as many carries in in, in in the NFL as he did in college. Um, also, in, in, in the NFL, you know, you you know, you got to be more of a straight-ahead runner and more more between the tackles. 
But, uh, you know, definitely he, he's one of the more intriguing uh, prospects for for fantasy and just in general, you know, going into the draft. Well, I, I can tell you, I can't say for a fact, but because of name value um, in most drafts, people can't wait to get their, their hands on him. And, and I'm talking about the fantasy because of the combine and, and the name value and the possibilities that he uh, uh, may, may have in fantasy that people can't wait to get, uh, in my opinion, get their, uh, uh, get their uh, hands on him in a draft. But speaking of pedigree, I don't know if you know about this or not, but uh, um, a well-known family of uh, uh, Irish um, men that are uh, football coaches, mainly on the defensive side of the ball. One of the twins has landed a job, multi-year deal, uh, with ESPN. If you... Listen to his press conferences when he was a coach, uh, when a head coach of the uh, New York Jets or the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, he had a lot to say. Um, sometimes he back it up most times. He didn't, but he still talked that talk and maybe not walk that walk. Well, Mr. Rex Ryan is now going to be a voice on TV for ESPN. Berman, for a long time, was a full-time host of Sunday NFL Countdown. Well, Chris Berman, quite naturally, you know, is not going to be on that show anymore. He, he, he may make a cameo appearance every now and then, but for the most part, it's going to be Randy Moss, Charles Woodson, Matt Hasselbeck, and now Mr. Rex Ryan on Sunday NFL countdown. Now talking about guys that three of the four guys that are going to be on there now do not hold their tongue. Talk a lot of (laughs) mess, a lot of junk. And this should be pretty entertaining with Randy Moss, Charles Woodson, Matt Hasselbeck, who's, Give me, give, give us the football. We're going to score a touchdown. Uh, type of Matt Hasselback and Chris Berman. I mean, uh, and uh, um, uh, Rex Ryan. So, even though ESPN is cutting back, and supposedly they're going to be um, uh, purging the talent uh, of ESPN, Rex Ryan gets hired, and NFL. Excuse me, Sunday NFL countdown should be extremely entertaining with four guys that are have a gift of the tongue. What's your thoughts, Jeff? You know, I'll tell you, that group, the one I'm not I mean, I'm not surprised Rex is, is gonna be a commentator and, and you know what? I think he's got a lot of potential. He who knows, he could be the next John Madden. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh the thing is, uh you know, he, he won some as, as – well, actually, you know, he went to two conference championships coaching the Jets. But I think the knock on him is like his father. He's a better defensive coordinator than a head coach. Um, uh, the media in New York loved him, which is almost unheard of, and the fans loved him too. Um, so, and that's rare. 
that's that's very rare. Um, I'll tell you, uh, uh, that group of guys for uh, ESPN, I like Randy Moss because I always heard that he was such a smart player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people underestimate him because, you know, uh, you know, he's got this, uh, you know, he's from rural West Virginia. He's got this mm-hmm. speaks with a draw. But believe right. me, if you're going to underestimate somebody because of that, you're a dummy. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I noticed last year that, uh, you know, uh, Moss now, and this is trivial, but to some people it's not. You know, he's got a nice conservative haircut. You know, no more braids for him, you know, which I could care less how a guy wears his hair, but it matters to some people. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, Randy knows his football. And, uh, you know, he, he was outspoken at times as a player, but, you know, he backed it up most of the time, as long as he felt like it. <laughs> but most of the time he right. felt like it. So, um, but, yeah, man, Moss was the boss when, when he was on uh, – you know, he, he was uh, almost unstoppable. Um, uh, I'll tell you, though, but uh, – and I'll, I'll take uh, – you know, I, I like the ESPN guys, Hasselbeck um, and uh, uh, Woodson. Uh, I'll take those guys over the – there's there's been a lot of commentators I haven't liked. The one who – one guy who really stands out was uh, Sh- Sean Salisbury, and I'm glad ESPN parted ways with him a long time ago. <laughs> And, you know, and it's not just because he was not a good player, because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, um, you know, Trent Dilfer, he'll be the first to tell you he was not a great player. He was he was OK. But, you know, um, he was not a great player. But I think Trent Dilfer is, is a good analyst. Um, yes. You know, and, and sometimes it's nice to have the perspective from a guy who's not great like a Randy Moss. You know what I mean? It, it, it gives you a different perspective if you get a guy who's, you know, lesser ability for, I don't know how else to put it. Um, but uh, first of all, Salisbury was a pretty much a career backup. He started for a little while for the Vikings. I think he, his NFL career, he total yards less than 4,000, which, which is nothing. Um, but, but uh, Sean Salisbury spoke, he speaks like he was a star, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. he wasn't a star because they were holding him back. It's like, yeah, they're purposely going to keep a star on the bench. I don't think so. Um, you know, and it cracks me up because, you know, Salisbury steak is the lowest form of steak, and Sean Salisbury was the lowest form of commentator for a while on ESPN. <laughs> but, but, you know, some of these guys, they end up, they get in trouble for nonsense that happens off camera. Cause, right. um you know, Salisbury got in trouble for harassment, yep. um, you know, and, and a lot of these other guys. I mean, even Berman. Berman, the thing is, Berman is, is an icon at ESPN, but he got in trouble. They had to make a settlement because he – you can look this up. He harassed, I think, a woman who uh, was doing the makeup. And, and, you know, another guy who was a pretty good analyst who they got rid of because there was some uh, – off-camera issues was uh, Chris Carter, and he he worked there for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know they they you know uh, so so sometimes you know when these guys have these uh, off off-camera problems, uh, they move on, and you know there there is a decent rate of turnover at ESPN. Well, you ha- you would have to think um, as as much as these guys seen. Um, when they when they were playing, regardless of what level they played at, whether it was high school, college, and, and, and a lot of these guys played in pro football, 
and go into uh, these uh, network jobs that they would know better, that they've seen a lot, either either them doing whatever or their teammates doing whatever and, and suffering the consequences because of, of their actions, that they wouldn't go down that road. They wouldn't open that door and let everyone to see the emperor has no clothes. And you see it time and time again, which makes no sense to me, that guys, name guys, guys that actually on, on TV or um, either even in print, the print media, do dumb things when any, any, any other guy with common sense would know better that what were you thinking? Why do that? Why, why even put yourself in that situation? Um, why think you think you're above it because of the position you're at? It, it's, it's, it's been proven time and time again over decades that regardless who you are, if you do something foul, it's going to come out. Somebody's going to smell it and you're going to pay for it. It's amazing. Uh, I don't understand it, but you see it happen every year. There's at least one guy, print media or um, uh, uh, on TV or whatever, the type of media, do something stupid that you, you shake your head, make your face, and it's like, what, this, what was he thinking? Why, why would you do that and, and expect not to get caught? Uh, look, at the, look at the guys at Fox. Fox News, uh, and they're still they're still being investigated, and all and all the um, money that was laid out to to various women at Fox News because of what took place over years. At what point did you think you would now get caught, or someone would would, would absolutely come up and speak up and say this happened to me? It, it boggles my mind that. You think you can get away with something because of the position you're at, and it's going to last forever. Unbelievable. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but it, it just – I just shake my These head. These guys, they, they get away with a lot, so they're used to getting away with stuff. You know, they think, uh, you, know, you know, when you're successful sometimes – and believe me, it doesn't take a lot of success, just a little success at a regular job. They, yeah. These guys think their uh, poop doesn't stink. I've seen it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it stinks, but, I mean, some people keep their head together. But, you know, I mean, believe me, there's a guy working in some fast food joint who gets promoted to assistant manager all of a sudden. He thinks he's the second coming. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Sure, uh, sure. It, it, you know, add some zeros onto that paycheck. Uh, it gets crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, Jeff, we've got about three minutes left in the show. Um, you know what? There's a guy that just passed away. I don't know if you're going to bring him up, but I am. Oh, I know. I know who you mean. That it was legendary for a long time. This guy um, graced the music airways uh, and was popular with a lot of people. Um, he had a long, exciting life, to say the least. Um, but he passed away at the end, age of 90. God bless him at age of 90. Um, Chuck Berry passed away. Um, we're losing guys 
legends were losing legends. Guys that, that made a lot of music and made made uh, the music some of the music injuries industry uh, um, earlier in the, his career, and laid laid the groundwork for a lot of rock and roll bands to pick up the uh, baton and, and and put their spin on rock and roll. So Chuck Berry passed away, I think, a couple of days ago. Uh, God bless him. Um, Jeff, I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk about talk Chuck Berry to him. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love the early rock stars. And believe me, Chuck Berry was more influential than Elvis. Berry wrote most of his hits and was a much better guitar player than Elvis. And um, just... Uh, there's people, maybe young people aren't quite aware of how, how influential Chuck was because he influenced Stones, the Beatles, the Beach Boys. I mean, when you listen to the Beach Boys, um, you know, the the, uh, Carl, the late Carl Wilson played guitar with the Beach Boys sounds mm-hmm. so much like Chuck. And, of course, Keith Richards played a lot like Chuck. Uh, yep. And they never denied the influence because, they, you know, you you, you couldn't honestly deny it. And John Lennon had a great quote, like, if they didn't call it rock and roll, they could have called it Chuck Berry. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. how influential Chuck was. And uh, it's not like, you know, his music is just for musicians. It's for fans, too. I mean, it's, it's just really the... You know, he made rock and roll, and his early stuff was terrific. And you know, and it was more than just a few hits. He had just a lot of great songs. Um, and um, unfortunately, this is one of the bizarre ironies of his life. His only number one hit was "My Dingaling," which mm-hmm. is basically a novelty record, and and it was a reworked version of "My Tambourine." Um, and and you know, Chuck kept playing. He was touring until a few years ago, and then I think yep. uh, he uh, he passed out on stage. And then I think he would just uh, play locally near where he uh, he lived all his life in the St. Louis area. Um, and uh, the, you know, the guy was just an amazing, amazing talent. And uh, you know, uh, well, there's another one of the early rockers I heard is having some health problems. Uh, and you know, believe me, it's a handful of guys who made it happen. And a little Richard is is, is struggling with some health problems. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Chuck Chuck was uh, you know, if you want to talk about early rock and roll, Chuck was it. He was the guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. I uh, really appreciate you hanging with me for the hour. Um, I got I got a predi- I got a prediction. Okay, I got I got to share it. Uh, I'll be quick. You know. Like in most places in the NFL, actions speak louder than words. And I think, you know, one of the best-run teams in the NFL is the Patriots. And I think the reason they haven't traded Jimmy Garoppolo might be if Tom Brady is leaning towards retirement after 2017. Oh, okay. Think about it. Yeah, you're probably right. You probably – in my opinion, Jeff – it would be stupid for them to, to um, uh, let Jimmy Garoppolo walk out the door, whether any way that any way possible. For the simple fact is, Tom Brady, what forty years old right now? Um, I think so. And and he, even though he says he wants to play another five years or whatever it is, I don't think that's going to happen, especially with the Patriots uh, and, and the way Bill 
Bill, Belichick runs things. Um, I, I think you, I think you're probably right. I think um, uh, rather than Bill going to uh, Brady and saying we're going to release you, uh, Tom Brady at one point or the other um, in the next couple of years is going to say I'm walking away, and they need somebody who's going to be able to um, um, work that system. Uh, maybe not the way uh, Tom Brady works it, but someone that that is very familiar with it. They don't have to break break him in. Um, he knows the system. He's been behind Brady and, and, and within that system for all these years. And all he has to do is this transition from sidelines to the back of the center. And the Patriots may not be like Patriots when Tom Brady, Tom Brady, but that system. Um, uh, a lot of quarterbacks can be effective, uh, and Bill Belichick's one of the masters of getting the best out of uh, all positions, including the quarterback. So, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. It, it, it would be a huge surprise. I'd probably be surprised about that. Uh, I'd probably be the biggest surprise that they get rid of Garoppolo, um, uh, regardless of getting draft picks. He, he's too valuable. Within that within that organization, um, to let go and take a chance to get in a quarterback that doesn't have the same skill set um, as Garoppolo or um, or Brady, for that fact. So, all right. Uh, anything else, Jeff? Before we get out of here, uh, that's it. Tune in on right. Thursday. Tune in Thursday, eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Jeff and I'll be holding down the FSP Cruise Show. Um, and I'll be back here next week at 10 a.m., as always, on the Master Plan. See you next week. Go, 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 go. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Oh.